Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on BlogTalkRadio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you've just clicked the link on my webpage or you're listening on BlogTalkRadio.com or even the BlogTalkRadio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to Turn It Up, a brand new show featured on A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Turn It Up is all about independent recording artists of all kinds, R&B, rap, jazz, soul, gospel, even country. But the primary reason for Turn It Up is to feature and to help independent artists to take it to the next level by showcasing new music, sharing studio recording tips and tricks to help your track stand out like the pros, and industry information to help you choose the right path and keep you in the game. Every week we bring you industry information to help you to choose the right path and also new tracks that you won't hear anywhere else. The truth is, if you're an artist trying to make it in the music biz, you need all the help you can get. So let's stop playing. Get your demos together and get ready to turn it up. Look, if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk to you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio. And you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. Next up, we talk with Cole Porter, Director of Marketing for Town Square Media, an awesome MC with a super dynamic personality and just an all around good guy. Cole, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I want to thank you for popping by. And also say hello to my co-host, Alef Germer and Lamar Hoagland. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. (laughs) You know, I'm really excited about this show. Do you know why, Cole? Why is that, Mike? (laughs) Because today we're going to talk about radio, on the radio. What? Well, that's my favorite subject. <laughs> yeah, who does that? <laughs> it's my favorite subject, too. But, you know, no one really ever talks about the, the inside, the inner workings of radio. And, Cole, right. you represent one of our industry insiders that we're always talking about we'll have on the show. So we're really looking forward to you sharing your knowledge and your wisdom that you've acquired over the years in the business. So, Cole, first tell us how you first got started in radio. Well, it was interesting. I was actually in the Marines about uh, 20 years ago, and I remember uh, getting out of getting out of the Corps. And when I came home, because I'm, I'm from Northern Virginia, uh, I saw this television uh, ad to be on the radio. Call us number now seven five four two one two eight, and you could be on the radio. Blah blah blah. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna call that number. And it was a broadcast <laughs> school in Northern Virginia. So I went and uh, enrolled in the school and got accepted. Went to the whole program. About a year and a half long school, and I, I remember one day prior to, uh, or in the middle of the, of the school, there was, a, it was a, a, a sign on a hog board for internships, and it had a listing of radio stations that were offering internships, and one of them was uh, WKYS Radio yeah. in D.C., and uh, that, that's the station I gr- grew up with, that and OK100 and H-U-R, mm-hmm. and I never thought I would ever be affiliated with it at all. So I said, well, I told my instructor, I said, I want to try for that internship. And he, he said, go ahead, and just put together your letter, and I'll sign it, and you can send it off. And, and what I did was I, I, I did that and dropped it off at the security guard and never heard anything. Three weeks went by, never heard a word. And my instructor had asked me one day, he said, well, what happened to that internship? Did you get it? Did you get the interview? And I said, no, I, I haven't heard anything at all, not one peep. He said, well, how, how do you know they, they received your letter? 
And I said, I don't know. I didn't follow up. And he slapped me upside my head. I'll never forget that. Really? He said, <laughs> yeah. He said, well, kind of where you they, they, they received your letter. He said, why don't you call and find out? We had a, we had a real good relationship. He was one of those type of instructors that he, he cared about his students, so he really wanted to help him out. Mm-hmm. So I called KYS, and, of course, they never heard of you, never got your paperwork and everything. And I asked the young lady, I said, well, can I bring it down and personally put it in your hands? She said, yes. And that person was Alma Brown who was mm. the uh, wife of um, Ron Brown, who was uh, tragically uh, killed in uh, Croatia about, um, what, 15, 15, 16 years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, when I went and brought it to her, she she, she kind of looked at me, and I, I guess I, I reminded her of her son, and she said, you know, when can you start the internship? So I started the internship and went through that whole process, and it's only 90 days long, but I, I had radio in my blood type thing. I was there <laughs> right. every day. Right. Instead of, instead of um, showing up two days a week, which was a Thursday and a Tuesday, my actual intern days, I actually came every single day. I would drive up, wow. and I was there so much that they actually gave me a desk and gave me a, an assignment beyond the internship. And after the 90 days, I stayed on. And they, they didn't even realize until six <laughs> months later. <laughs> six months later. Wow. I'll never forget this. Six months later, uh, the general manager at the time, Skip Finley, was walking around checking on people's payroll checks. He, it was in the system or something like that. And he asked me, he said, well, what about yours? I said, well, I've never gotten a check here. I, I guess I'm still an intern. <laughs> he said, oh, no, 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 no. They completely forgot it. They had given me these duties and forgot that I wasn't on the payroll. They gave me a part-time job, and that was my start of, start of my official radio career. Wow. wow. <laughs> Man, you, you were a seed that was you were planted there, and you grew until someone had to water you. <laughs> exactly right. And, and, and that's exactly yeah. what I tell my interns today. I, I have uh, a lot of interns over the years, and I tell them, I said, this business is it's tough to get in, but one way to do it is through internships. And if you want it bad enough, you stick around, it'll, it'll come to you. Oh, that's great, man. We'll have to talk about those internships later because I could use a few. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm overwhelmed, man. If I had a couple of interns, man, it would just make my life so much easier. <laughs> there's, we'll, there's a way to get on the system, though. Yeah. Oh, okay, awesome, awesome. But tell us a little bit because um, since you've actually started in radio, you've been in radio what twenty Almost years? Twenty I mean, years. You, yeah. You've seen a lot of changes. Oh, lots of changes, lots of changes. I've been through many mergers, many uh, sales, and you know, you you get. Uh, laid off, you get fired, you get hired, you go mm-hmm. through the whole process. What radio has really changed into since I've been in, it, it was run by programmers when I got in, and now it, it's run by, by I call them bean counters, you know, Wall Street type thing. Yeah. It's starting to loosen up a little bit more now. Uh, more folks are starting to buy radio stations. It's not going to be, it's not, you know, two years ago, almost every radio station in this country was owned by a handful of uh, organizations, a handful of companies. Now it's starting to shake up a little bit, and that's better. It's better for competition, it's better for the listener, and it's better for the advertiser. Right, right. Now, um, a lot has changed with the the advent of satellite radio, and um, the marketing has changed a lot as well with the Internet. Tell us a little bit about that and how that's affected um, the job that you do. And tell well, us first, the- I guess, about what you do as a um, a director of marketing. Well, what I do is when you turn on a radio station and you and you hear a live broadcast or you hear the radio station doing something at a location, a nonprofit community event, or any contest, I write and arrange and come up with the ideas. So my staff is tasked with coming up with ideas not only for the radio station to promote to its listeners, 
but to promote the product of uh, of a particular client, like the Stone Soul Picnic that uh, oh, happens yeah. in Washington D.C. That that would be arranged through the promotion department. We would we would uh, write the premise on it on on, on the or the marketing plan for it, um, and then follow through with the acts, follow through with the logistics of it, and make the whole thing happen. Wow. The program department is the one that actually uh, is the face of it. Meaning that's what you hear on the radio, but there's always somebody behind the scenes that has to put it together. Exactly, and that, right. That's what I do. Right, and um, also I noticed at the event where I met you um, was the event where um, Ski Johnson was performing in uh, McLean, Virginia, and um, you emceed the event, and you 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 really got the crowd going. I mean, you got everybody worked up and made sure everybody was in that right mood and having a good time and all of that, and that's part of the job as well. So you have to. Have the personality as well. That's yeah. very flexible. And see, I came, I came in through radio in which not only was the promotion guy expected to be a DJ as well or act like a DJ, you have to be very organized. So when, when I came through, it was almost like an acting job. People would say, here's a crowd of folks, here's an element, entertain them until the act came on. And that's what I thought you were supposed to do. So that's, I, I became used to doing that, entertaining crowds really from scratch. You, you have to um, you play on the emotions of the crowds, what I do, and, and, and use the, the backdrop of whatever you have, in this case, Ski Johnson or the music, to, to uh, move it forward. Right, right. And I know, noticed that you came prepared as well. You already had yourself a packet of things to give away. And you had a contest set up in your mind, and, and that's very interesting because, you know, I've been thinking about that too. We need to, to find a way to, to get people involved with this show as well. So, you know, guys, you might have to give away some CDs. Uh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you always got to be prepared. Yeah. I call it my weapons. You know, I call it the weapons. They're great um, game changers and, and, and time killers. If you I mean, what if you're sitting there and the, and the, and the, the uh, particular artist said, well, and I can't come on for another 25 minutes. You can't just stand there and you lose the crowd, particularly if, if the, a situation like that where they didn't pay to get in and they're there to have a drink and enjoy themselves. If they're not enjoying themselves, they leave. So you have to right. have some type of entertainment. You have to be prepared to entertain at a drop of a dime. Hmm. So that's happened many a day, many a day since I've been in radio. I mean, I've, I've worked all over the country. I've worked overseas. And that's to be expected. I, I tell all my, my employees that and my interns that, hey, if, if you're not a funny guy or an act like you're not a funny guy, you need to become one. Cause that's <laughs> <job> <laughs> right, that's right. It's, it's not for shy folks. Yeah, absolutely not. I could see that. Um, and you also lecture at high schools and colleges um, yeah. on broadcasting and the music oh. business. Tell us a little bit about what you share with them. On basic radio, well, I talk about the history of radio, and I talk about what's happening with it now and how they can fit in that. I also talk about the different departments in radio. There's there's six major departments in radio. Most people only know one, and that's programming. They they look at, at DJs as the entire thing. It's actually just the opposite. DJs and DJing is really entry level. It, the, the the biggest department is, is is the sales department usually at most radio stations as far as numbers goes. And I try to explain to them how each department works amongst itself and what, what it all takes to put it together in order to, to make money because most radio stations are for profit, so that's, that's what the name of the game is. So when I lecture to the kids about that, uh, especially the ones that are interested in broadcast and media, I kind of give them an overview of what each department does. Well, give us that overview. Well, for example, I kind of described what I did in, in the promotion department, uh, the marketing side. I actually market the radio station and market our, our client's product through our radio station. Programming is self-explanatory. They're the guys in charge of all the music, 
Everything you hear on the radio goes through them. All They set the flavor of the radio station. What they mm-hmm. do is they bring the listening audience to a radio station, and then we take that station and mark, I mean, take that audience and market it to, to our particular client. So if you look at a station like, um, let's say, PGC in D.C., they have a very large audience. The programming department is, is responsible for that based on the music and the flavor and the DJs and how they react to that audience. They take that and sell that to to uh, our clients. Clients want to, if I have a, a, a widget and I'm trying to sell widgets, I'm not going to buy a radio station that only have two listeners. I want mm-hmm. a radio station that that will probably buy my product and in volume. So right. they, they look at that like that. So that's what programming does. The sales department is self-explanatory as well. They sell commercials. They mm-hmm. they they sell uh, commercial time uh, on the radio station to to clients and. Um, and, and go through that whole process. The other departments are engineering. You got to have somebody who uh, sets it up and fix the pro- and fix the equipment when it breaks. Uh, you got to have um, a traffic department, which is a very important department that, that most folks on the outside don't know. Those are the folks that actually control and and list how a commercial and song and the songs interact on a commercial log. So if I'm if I have a big station like PGC and I have hundreds of clients. There has to be somebody that maintains that that formality and on, on how things work and how it runs on the radio station as far as the money goes. That's what they do. But then you have the, your regular the business department, and you have a department called NTR. Some stations have this, some don't. NTR stands for non-traditional revenue. Those are the folks that will actually set up major events, uh, kind of one-offs, through um, that particular radio stations like the Stone Soul Picnic in D.C. would be run through the NTR, NTR department and the promotion department. So that person concentrates on several big promotions throughout the year. They don't get in, involved with the, the actual ticket giveaways and, and all the smaller items that happen on the radio station on a daily basis. They deal with the larger items. So those are the departments. Oh, great. Great. That's a great overview. And um, one of the things I wanted to ask you as well is um, how is it um, – how is it – that syndicated radio has impacted the um, the market and um, radio stations today. I don't know if that's a part of um, the radio stations that you do marketing for now. Do they have um, someone like we do a? Have syndicated, yes. Yeah. Our stations are, are one of our stations is syndicated. Not throughout. Most of the time, it's it's through um, a particular day part. Like for example, we have Tom Joyner on our show. Mm-hmm. On, our, on our urban radio station, so that his is obviously syndicated radio stations on, I think times on 95 different radio stations around the country. That's mm-hmm. good and a bad thing. It's mm-hmm. good that we don't pay for it. It's a total barter deal. It's bad that it's not local. So right. you can't actually reach out and touch the guy. I mean, Tom has never been to Buffalo, He's, or it has been years. So there's a lot of listeners that that listen to him here and have a following, but they have no clue that he's not even here. Right. They don't, they don't dawn on them. They wait a minute. I've been here ten years and I've never seen this guy before. You know, but um, for the radio station, bottom line, it works very well. If he carries a lot, uh, big numbers, which he does here in, in in Buffalo, we don't pay for it. So we sell it, but don't pay for it. Right. But there's a big machine behind that as well, behind that um, syndicated um, personality that's out there. There's the marketing and all of that as well that's helping to to make them who they are. Yeah. Mm. But it's not originated here. Uh, we we do market time here, but in, in a very small fashion because they have their own uh, marketing system going. Uh, there's called Reach Media. 
so they, they run their own TV spots, their own uh, radio spots to do the marketing of uh, each radio station that they're on. We do it if if um, if anything changes, like he gets a new partner or something like that, then we'll we'll run billboards or we'll run promos on the radio station letting people know that here's a change in that particular show. And, of course, since he's the lead, he's on all our websites and anything we do on our van, you know, he's the lead guy on that, but he's not physically here. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit, too, because um, it used to be every independent artist's dream to, to hear their music on a, a major, you know, radio station and um, know that well, they are out topic. there. Yeah. That's a very good topic you brought up. And actually, I'm surprised you haven't brought up the other thing. Uh, you know, there's a controversial uh, law that's trying to be put in place called the uh, Local the uh, Performance Rights Act. Uh, yeah, we're going to do something on that in a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, most radio stations are not for that at all. Right? We, we have our own thing going through Congress called the Local Freedom Act. Uh huh. Tell us about uh, that. Well, it's, it's a counterman to the Performance Rights Act. Um, the folks who want to do that, they, they, want, they want to get radio stations to pay royalty to, to artists. Well, that's not, it sounds good, but it's not going to work in real life. What will actually happen if this if this passes through Congress? Radio stations will drop local acts. They won't play them at all. Think about this: a radio station is not going to play an artist that they don't know. Are so they the playing them now? In, in they... some form of fashion, yes. We have, we have most radio stations have a local segment. Like we have one called Unsigned Hype, which comes on Saturday uh-huh. night. Big program. So local artists between here, Buffalo, and in Canada, a lot of mm-hmm. Canadian artists will send their material in. And then we play it, and people vote on it, and people like it. It gets into a rotation in that particular show. If it's really good and it gets picked up in, by a record company, then it can get in rotation around the country. But there's a system on how it's done. And what, what I've learned over the years is, is that most artists, they don't understand how the music business really works. They assume that they just bring their, their CD to a, a DJ, and a DJ says, yeah, I like this, I'm going to put it on. It doesn't work like that because everything is formatted now and programmed. I mean, DJs mm-hmm. nowadays at a radio station, they don't play their own music. They, they just, the computer tells them what to play, and that's done by the program director. He programs the music in the computer, and the computer will selectively place it based on the, the flavor that the uh, program director sets. Now, again, that's something that the average person wouldn't know, so that's one reason why a lot, a lot of local artists have a hard time getting that stuff played on a regular basis. Yeah, well, I, I think it's, one of the reasons why um, being an independent artist, too, doing your own marketing and putting your music out there and um, finding your own gigs and finding ways to market yourself is so important because no one's going to pay attention to you until you've already created the buzz that they feel that they can just sort of um, remanage and, and continue to um, move it forward a step or a notch more than what you could do and make some money off of you. But are those deals out there worth worth the effort at that point. Well, they are. I would say they are, but quiet is kept. The reason most record companies don't sign folks like a madman like they did years ago is because they do want an artist that already has a buzz going. If there's an artist here in Buffalo that's selling 3,000 units a month type thing, that person is the one who's going to get the attention and probably get signed by one of the major labels. The, the money flow is not the same as it was 25 years ago where record companies had plenty of money to splurge and throw around, and they can just sign this guy and, and, and from sitting there for a year and a half before they bring him out. They can't do that no more. They have to have, basically, they have to have winners right out of the box. And the way mm. to judge that is somebody who's already winning in, 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 the, um, in the industry in their own hometown. 
Right, right. That's now, you see a lot of sign nowadays. And and the industry is changing too. What what I've heard recently is um like Madonna a couple of years ago actually um set up a, a record deal or a contract with her promotion company as opposed to the record company for the actual um tour itself because right. that's where the money that's is. Right. Right. And for example, she signed with Live Nation itself, and that's artists are smart enough now, or want to be smart enough now to keep their own money. They realize that hey, I'm, I'm out here making the music, but everybody's getting paid but me, type thing. So right. the more they own of their own music, the, the better it's off on. Now, Prince is a perfect example of that. I mean, remember when he changed his name to the symbol and all that kind right. of stuff? Right, to get out of the contract deal he had with Warner Brothers. That's right. He was protesting that, and correctly, as a matter of fact. Now, Prince. If you see an album, and he has a deal with Walmart, I believe. If you see an album there, he's getting most of that money now. He's getting most of it. When you go to the record store or Walmart or anybody like that, and you pick up an album and, and look at it, if the album costs $15, I mean, the artist himself is probably getting half a percent of that, if that. So you ask yourself, it's 15 bucks, I'm getting a half a percent. <laughs> Where's all that money going, right? Right. It's not, right. It's not going in the pocket of the artist. You no. have to become... Artists have to become have to become educated on how hmm. the business works, not from the street level, but from the level that it was that it's really running from, and that's the Wall Street level. Now, talk to us again about what this um, this other um, I don't know if it's a bill or that's being pushed forward. You say that's different than um, HR um, eight forty eight that well, um, we're, you we're, feel you feel that's more fair. Well, we're trying to we're trying to kill the bill. We're trying to kill that. We're not. We're not yeah. But you're saying that there was another uh, solution, something that would more benefit the artist. Is that what you're saying? Or you guys are just against the proposition no, well, the, of the, 48? The, 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 the money won't go to the artist anyway. It's not, gonna, it's not as simple as, as, as people sound. I mean, it, it's almost like you have to use your head versus your heart on this thing. Yeah, it sounds good that somebody's playing their music and we play it, and, and we, they get paid. But radio stations are already paying royalties, it's BMI and ASCAP. They're, they're already paying at it. Radio is the oldest uh, electronic medium in the, in the country as far as entertainment goes. Right? It's almost a little more than 100 years old. And it's always been understood that we play people's music, people go out, and when people hear that music, if they like it, they buy it. That's the synergy we've always had with record companies. Now all of a sudden the record company's business model is falling apart, and they try to punish radio stations for it. That's not right. But isn't this what's yeah. happening in other countries, that the artists that perform the music are also getting paid for the tracks that are played on those radio stations, like in the U.K. and all over the, the yeah, world? In some, some countries, it is, it is like that. But look at their radio stations, too. I wouldn't compare them to an American radio station. It's about freedom as well. It's about freedom. When you start regulating that, like in Canada, they have a, they have the, the rule you have, to pay, uh, you have to pay 30% local talent in Canada. Well, again, that sounds great. But what if you're in a city like Buffalo and you can't find 30% local talent you want to play on the radio that's good enough really to play on the radio? Do you play anybody's music because they say so, or do you play what the listening audience want to hear? I mean, that, that goes back to me, to me, my opinion. It goes to the basic fundamentals of American freedom. I mean, it, it shouldn't be dictated by some outside entity at all. That's a mistake. That, that's when you go down that path. You lose you lose all your all your flavor all your your wherewithal when you go down that path. It's the same thing that happened 15 years ago when the, when the radio industry went from run, being run by programmers deciding if we're going to do this promotion, deciding if we're going to play this song versus 
Wall Street deciding, well, you got to pay because this is what a client wants. And that's that's wrong wrong move there. Wrong move. Now, well, well, let's get back to um, syndicated um, artists who are out there who are um, all over the mainstream networks out there, and um, the lack of a representative in the community, someone who's local who can actually be seen and actually give a voice to the people and sort of, um, you know, make things happen in the communities that they live in. What's happening to that? It's disappeared for the most part. Yeah, but what are you saying? Are you saying that the radio station is responsible or radio is responsible for that particular I think that there's a there's a segment that's being ignored, even though um, syndication has its benefits. There's a side of it where there's a lack and there's a need that's not being addressed with a lot of stations. Having people that still get out like yourself in the community and are seen and known. And true, um, but, true, but remember what, what I said earlier. All mm-hmm. that's based on the dollar. It's based on the dollar. Mm-hmm. So what you're asking is what you're asking is okay. Get into the community, let community uh, do the community thing you were doing 25 years ago. Make less money, because that's what would happen. Versus what Wall Street says is no, we do syndicate. Think about it. If, I don't pay for Tom Joyner, so if he's on 95 radio stations, if I have to pay yeah. for a morning show, right. I'm going to I'm putting up another hundred grand to do a morning show when I can get it for free and get the same numbers. Now that's that's the thought process of, of a person mm-hmm. in business. But the person in the community, they're going, wow, that's not fair because I'm out, you know, type thing. Right. But you have to balance the two. You have to balance the two. I mean, I, we're just, radio stations nowadays are trying to get back to the community efforts. But I look at it like this. Well, every time we do a community service or get involved with a community service, I try to get involved personally. That way I know it's going to work because I don't want to get involved with, with things that are just cosmetic. Right. I tell my interns all the time, isn't it amazing in this country you have you have uh, a billion different nonprofit groups yet you still have problems? But how can that be? Well, there's always going to be problems, of course. Yeah, but, well, that, yeah, but it, it shouldn't be problems on, on some of the lights that we have versus the number of nonprofit groups and other organizations, including radio stations, that can mm-hmm. help. I mean, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Right, you're saying that the impact based on their size be a should lot be greater. Exactly yeah, right. Absolutely, and I agree with you on that as well. Yeah. And um, I, I'm just yeah. one guy, but and and that's my whole thing. I'm in radio because I, I want to be a voice for the people. I want to help people with this show, and um, if it's not benefiting the people who listen, it, it's really doing a disservice. It's not enough, and that's right. what I think, and that's all I'm trying to do. And, and um, I would tell you that you're doing the right thing because. When you when you do your radio program, your radio program should be educating people correctly on how to get things done in whatever field they, they want. When I talk to my uh, folks every day, somebody comes up to me, a musician, an artist, comes up to me and says, look, how come I can't get my stuff played on the radio? The first thing I ask them is, do they know the business? Do they know how the business works? Nine times out of ten, they have no clue. They haven't done their own homework. So I always recommend a book to them. There's a book, uh, I don't know if you want me to plug it or not. Sure, absolutely. Uh, there's a book called Everything You Want to Know About the Music Business by a guy named Donald Passman. This book, is, he's been around for a long, long time. He's on, I think this book's on his sixth or seventh edition. It's about $25. You can get it at uh, Borders or the other, other one, um, the other big bookstore. And mm-hmm. this book is like the Bible. It's like the Bible of the music business. 
And I tell I tell these kids who come to me and say, well, you know, I want to I want to own a record company, I want to work for Warner Brothers and all this kind of stuff. And I go, really? Explain to me how the royalties work in in in, in the musician. How does a musician get paid on the royalty? And they have no clue. I said, this is how this is the kind of stuff you need to know because if you're armed with this information, you're going to make a lot less mistakes. You won't ask me the question of how to get my stuff played on the radio because you'll already know what the sequence is. You'll already know how how we how uh, Radio stations is the end stop, not the beginning. You know, when we get music and we play Stevie Wonder stuff, Stevie Wonder himself didn't come to me and say, "Here, could you play it?" It went through a system, mm-hmm. and that, that system is what folks need to know how it works and get themselves involved in it. They'll find their lives a lot easier. Awesome. Plug the book one more time, and we're going to take a quick break. It's a book. It's a book called "Everything You Want to Know About the Music Business" by a guy named Donald Passman. You can get it on Amazon.com, as a matter of fact. Put awesome. that up and you read it, and this, this book is absolutely phenomenal. It'll, it'll go through the entire music business, how it works. It tells you why people get messed up, and it's very good. Very good. It's about uh, three, 400 pages. All right. Fantastic. We're going to take a quick break, and um, the Leo, we're going to go ahead and play this track that we didn't have last time you were on, wasn't able yeah. to get it uploaded. Tell us a little yeah, bit about um, <laughs> Bottom. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you, uh, I just went ahead and said it's something that um, I'm sure the question that has crossed many of our minds at some point or another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bottom Bottom is one of them songs. It's about, you know, just kind of like, you know, the, the, the girls walking around in the summertime and got their little jeans on or their shorts on, and you're like, how do they get all that in there? You know, that's one of them type of songs. <laughs> You know, but uh, it, it's silly. You know what I'm saying? I got the I got the idea from for uh, for it from a Mary J. Blige song. It's an old Mary J. Blige song. I love the beat. And I was just listening to it, you know, chilling one day, and I was like, oh, let me let me mess with it. Let me mess with it. So this is me messing with it. me like dang dang wanna bang bang when you poke it out dancing to her song she let her bounce hard so you can see a thong and all i got is one question on my mind we them jeans cause the mess up behind when last when she come through the door room girl bring fire up on the floor nobody gun fits you no more i went around for the encore so i just had to show you some Encore. So I just had to show you some love. Change 
about who's getting paid and what gets the finish. And you hear, like Michael Jackson used to get sued every week because some, some idiot 20 years ago said, well, I actually wrote that particular song. If Mike didn't get it copywritten or get some type of legal notice saying that he owns that particular uh, song, the words, then he's open to a lawsuit. And that's what used to happen to him a lot, all the time, all the time. Wow. Wow. So yeah, you you got to get educated on these things. This, this this is not this business to me. The music business is less about talent than it is about business. Because mm. there's a lot of talented guys right. out here, but very few of them are going to do anything with themselves because they don't understand the business. Wow, less about talent and more about business. I like that. Yeah. That sounds like a mantra. When I was in the Cayman Islands, there was so many talented folks down there. And not one of them has ever. You ever heard any big time artists from the Cayman Islands? No, ever. Not one. Not one. Right. But there's talent galore there. Talent really? galore. But they didn't. They don't understand how to how to how to market their business or how to become a business in order to do the right thing. I mean, most of them would all they would do is fly to Miami or fly to New York and hang out at these parties and try to push their stuff, but nothing ever happened. Even when we were down there building radio stations, <laughs> that's funny. I'm down there building radio stations, and I still couldn't play that music because they didn't understand, even though I knew these guys. <laughs> you know, like I knew them right. like they were friends. Right. And I, I, would, I would tell them, I said, we're not going to play this stuff until you get it right, until I know who owns this music. I mean, you give me a piece of music, I don't know if you own it. What mm. if I play somebody's music and, and, and a week down the road, somebody sue us, the radio station, for playing that stuff because they didn't want to play it on the radio? He couldn't even prove it was their own stuff. Hmm. Wow. So there's there's a there's a method to the madness, man, and that's what people have to have to become educated on. Now tell us a little bit too. I mean, you mentioned the Cayman Islands. You opened up three new American style radio stations there. How, how long did that take? We did that. Um, I was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, working for uh, WPEG down there and uh, BAV, and I got the letter. I got a letter, a letter from a friend of mine who. Was want to know was I interested in coming down to the Caymans and open up three new radio stations with him? Apparently there was a there's an individual down there who wa- was a rich individual who wanted to open up New York style radio stations in the Cayman Islands. There were already seven or eight radio stations there, but he wanted three brand new ones that sound like they did they do here in America. So we went down there and um, went down at the worst time. We went down during Hurricane Ivan, so that stopped us for a little while. But you basically set it up as you would any other business with the building, with the equipment, what format you're going to um, uh, get on. We had a, a brilliant engineer that set up the towers for us and then made sure our signals were right. Of course, we got legal by getting permission from the government to have these particular signals on at this power um, during this time. And then it was just a matter of adding a flavor, and that's where I came in, on marketing the radio station. Who were we mm-hmm. talking to? Mm-hmm. So we, we, had, we had three radio stations on three different um, uh, types of formats. One was an AC, or actually a classic rock. One was a turbine station, and one was a uh, reggae station. So we got three different audiences there. So we marketed three different ways. Wow, that's awesome. And and how long did this take you? Uh, we got down there at the end of 2004, and we were on and ready to go. And let's see, we got there, and I got there in October of 2004. And we, we launched in April of 2005. Wow. Yep. Wow. We that is awesome. Like five months later, we, we actually launched, and, and it's still there. Since then, the guy has bought another radio station. So oh, now he owns four great. radio stations on an island that's only got 44,000 people on it. <laughs> 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 you know, so, wow. 
Yeah, he, he pretty much owns good. the island then as far as the airwaves. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. And remember, now, whoever controls the airwaves controls the thought process of the people. Wow, that's heavy, man. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. for real. You know, um, Cole, you were the first African-American air, on-air personality on um, WAGE in Leesburg in the um, early 90s in Leesburg, Virginia. Man, tell us, man, what was that like actually just coming in and um, being the first? Because it's always a big deal being the first, man. Well, you know how I got the job? I, I was at KYS. I have been working there full-time maybe um, a year, maybe a year. I had a bunch of interns with me at that time, and I, I was walking past uh, one of the studios in, in the hallway. We had a phone in the hallway, and it rang. So I picked it up, and it was a guy who was a program director at this station in, w, uh, in Leesburg, Virginia, WAGE. And he asked me. He didn't know who I was. He just said, look, I'm looking for some folks that want to come down, and, and I have some part-time positions open in Leesburg. And I said, well, what, what positions are you talking about? He said, well, they're all on-air positions, and you don't have to have any experience. And I said, oh, really? I said, okay. I said, well, I told him who I was, and I said, I have a bunch of interns that may be interested in that. And I never will forget this. I, I gathered them all up. I had maybe six at the time. And I told him, I said, I got this phone call. You know, if you, if you guys are interested, we can go down here, you, you know, go down on your own and apply and all that stuff. And, you know, each one of them laughed at me. They said, there's no way in the world they're going to go down to some little 1,200 AM radio station 50 miles from D.C., they mm-hmm. wanted to start off at HUR or at KISS. And I thought, you're never going to get it. That's when Donnie was there. Donnie was the PD and the uh, morning man. I said, right. you're never going to get a job here like that. You know, you gotta, you got to work your way up. And I thought about it. I said, you know what? Why don't I go down there myself? So I called him back. I said, you know, I have one person, me. I'll come down and I'll, and I'll pitch for it. He said, come on down. I drove all the way down there. And I took the KISS van. I took, I took the KYS van. And I, when I pulled up, that was my mark. He made When I pulled up in the KISS van, it was like, well, you must know what you're doing. And right. I had never been on the radio before. <laughs> I, went in there, I went in there and he said, you, he said you, you know what you're doing? I said, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I had no clue about being a DJ because I'd never done it before. I've always watched it, but I've never, you know, I've watched Donnie in there, but I've never actually done it. And he actually gave me a position. He gave me the position, and the, the, the equipment was, you know, old, was nowhere near like the KYS stuff. We were still right. using uh, turntables, and you had the, you know, the old-style DJ thing. And, and the station was, didn't even, even 24 hours. It went off at uh, midnight. My second day at work, I had ordered a pizza because I was there by myself. The place was about as big as my car. I mean, literally. <laughs> I, I ordered a pizza, and the guy, when I opened the door, the guy looked at me, and he said, what are you doing here? I said, what do you mean? What are you doing here? I said, I'm ordering a pizza. He said, wow. I said, what are you wild about? He said, I ain't never had a black DJ before. <laughs> and it was a black guy too and I laughed and I asked I asked the person the next, the next day I said you never had any African American DJs he said nope he said you're the first you're the very first one out of all he said nobody would ever apply or nobody would think they could get the job or or, or they didn't think we was a big enough radio station and I said no I, I saw it just the opposite for me it was about cracking the microphone getting mm-hmm. experience because when I left D.C. and went to Baltimore and got my first directorship, I didn't even have to apply for the, um, the smooth jazz position I, I had gotten because they had already assumed I knew what I was doing because I had that on my resume. Right. And that's wow. what I tell folks nowadays. That's what I tell them nowadays. So that was a privilege and an honor. And, you know, I was, I was scared to death being the only one and the first one, but uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience. Man, that's a great story. Wow. <laughs> you, like, you like the Clarence, the Clarence Thomas story. Radio. Yeah. <laughs> with, with a piece, though. With a piece. Man, Lee, 
the Leo has these weird analogies, man. Hit, hit the right uh, at you. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I, I I tried not to think about it, but it got to me. <laughs> See, Leo is a creative guy. No one he's a musician. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, well, we're really uh, we're coming up. We got about eight minutes left in the show, and I did want to give you the opportunity to um, plug in the um, affiliations that you have, as well as um, websites, and um, just talk about uh, any events that you may have up and coming that people can, um, you know, participate in. Well, there's a couple things that, that, that we do here in Buffalo and on the region. It's called Western New York. That includes Rochester and um, southern uh, uh, Ontario, which includes Toronto. There's uh, the Rochester Music Fest coming up um, June, no, July 17th through the 24th. And we're featuring, um, and I'm doing this off the top of my head here, we're featuring uh, Najee uh, Royers, um, who else, uh, Najee Royers, Tom Brown, Howard Hewitt, Drew Hill, Steve Johnson, um, mm. uh, Jaheem, and uh, one other guy. Um, oh, Anthony Hamilton. So oh, wow. Uh, yeah, Killing me. That, that's January, uh, July 17th, that's at the Rochester Music Fest through the 24th. We also do in Toronto, which is a great town. If, you, if, if the folks haven't been up to Canada, if you, if you can get a chance to do that in summertime in particular, it is incredible. Toronto is probably the, well, first of all, it's the fourth largest city in North America. It's about the same size as Philadelphia. It's Canada's largest city. It's very clean. All the rumors they say about Canada being clean is true. It, it, it's, it's very clean. The folks are extremely <laughs> friendly. Uh, fellas, the women are top ten. You know, it's like being in Southern California all day long. <laughs> uh, or the beautiful sisters in Washington D.C. type thing. But um, they have the Caravana. They have a lot of festivals in the summertime. There, one big one is the Caravana, the Caribbean Festival, which is probably the I think that's the second or third largest Caribbean festival outside of the Caribbean in, in North America. It's August wow. first and second. It's fabulous. You know, our radio stations are, are there plugging in, into it. Um, the parades and the parties that, that uh, happen during that weekend are, are unbelievable. So that's August 1st and 2nd, and that's uh, absolutely incredible. So there's a lot going on here in, uh, in the western New York uh, region that our station plugs into. And we invite anybody that's listening to the show, if you're in the area, you know, feel free to call the radio station, ask for Cole Porter, and I'll, I'll definitely turn you on to a few things that's happening here. And you've already done that for me, and I really appreciate your help. Um, just plugging me in and helping me out with some of the artists that we'll be having up and coming on the show as well, including um, Najee and Royer. So um, I, I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah, I was invite you guys to the Rochester Music Fest too, and since we're involved in it, maybe maybe you guys can do some type of recording there uh, on interviews of some of those artists and uh, run it back on your show in a future date. Yeah, that would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're we're definitely trying to work out the logistics for that, and um, we will let you know as it um, comes closer to the date. Yeah, I'm ready. But, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> you're always ready, <laughs> man. I mean, and and you're all over the place. You're still bouncing around. I mean, the you know, right after you did the event here in D.C., you were right back up to New York again, right? Yeah, I um, I I used to. I'm the president of a company called 24th Century Marketing Concepts, and what that does is it used to own a nightclub in um, 
Columbia, Maryland, which was uh, Silver Shadows, which is no longer there now. But we still do artist bookings, and Ski, Ski Johnson is one of those artists. I have a, a few online. There's a, Will Holton is one as well. Right. And, um, yeah, we the young guy. Mm-hmm. There's a young guy uh, called Nate Nate Harrison, uh, which I think you guys are going to contact him pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we've been in contact with him. I mean, we're going to have him on. I believe that's next Friday. Yes, he's unbelievable. He's a pianist. Wow. Unbelievable. I, I've met him when I was in Flint. When I was doing radio in Flint ten years ago, he had a he had a high school a teenage jazz band, which was you know unheard of. What? <laughs> and I used to let them feature. And open uh-huh. up for some of the bigger jazz artists we bring to town. He's he's, he's unbelievable. This kid, wow. he reminds me of a Jerry Lee Lewis, but on the jazz side. Wow, that is so awesome. So much energy he has. Well, Cole, look, we're out of time, man. I mean, it's okay. been great. I hope you'll come back again, man. We would love to talk with you again, and we really thank you for the education and um, you know so much that you've shared with us and your um, transparency and candor about the uh, industry itself. And um, I don't think we could have gotten that any from any other person. Honestly. No problem. I'm only a Facebook click away. Excellent. (laughs) And you will hear from us again. And thank you very much again. But um, we're running out of time. Time for me to close the show. Well, I'm Michael Fordham, and I just want to say special thanks to Donette Hardiman, our producer, for all the help that she's provided in this show. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. Thank you.
myself, I'm so in touch, but lately, man, I ain't been pushing that much. I got the game in a grip, a strong grass, and I'm not giving up. They gotta laugh, yo. I got it in me to finish this track meet, but I still find myself carrying heat. That's not where it's at, man. The game is not that sweet. I don't see no competition, no way that they could compete. Sacrificing time, secret paradise, enjoy the truth. 